Hi, my name is Ozzy Jurok. I'm the host of OzBuzz, where we interview eclectic and successful people in and around the real estate umbrella. And today we're very fortunate to have with us uh, Keaton Kirkwood, who has a brokerage in both uh, EPC and Alberta. But we want to focus on Edmonton today, and I really look forward to hear all about why people go to Edmonton, why you like it, why you personally went there. So welcome, Keaton. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to work with you, Ozzy. Great. So you moved to Edmonton not too long ago. I did. It's been uh, 14 months. And so how do you find it? I love it out here. I moved out here in my early 20s and then went back to Vancouver. And I find myself back in Alberta, married and kids and a whole lot more baggage. Tell me tell me something that makes Vancouverites cry. What did you pay for your house on, I believe, is 10 acres? So we got a house in a little subdivision. It's 10 acres with a 1976 house, hardwood floors, you know, relatively renovated. It's got a kitchenette downstairs, outbuildings. It was $716,000. And we are, <laughs> I timed it yesterday for you, 11 minutes to Walmart, the hospital, 13 minutes to Home Depot. Like we yeah. have everything minutes away. So it's not in the boonies. It's you're 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 close to schools and everywhere where you where you want to be. But that is really you can you cannot even get a front door in Vancouver for that price. You know, I mean, so that's that's maybe one of the reasons why you have record inward migration into Alberta. You know, people saying the heck with that two million dollar wartime bungalow. The hundred percent. It was the big driving force for us moving in twenty early twenty twenty two. My wife and I were looking at homes in Abbotsford and Chilliwack because we were in Vancouver and. You know, we were looking for 1.1, 1.3 for a teardown house. I pulled up a Kijiji listing and showed my wife a $400,000 acreage, 40 minutes out of Edmonton. Yeah. 10 minutes later, she spent the next three hours going through listings, and that was it. God and herself. Went, and then you went looking for snowshoes, and you got used to it. I, I personally really like Edmonton. I, in another lifetime, uh, I was in charge of some 300 odd real estate offices. I was based in Toronto, but we had 21 offices in Edmonton and we had 20 in Calgary. There was always a special place about Edmonton. I remember once where I was 40 below or some crazy number. And I said, nobody's going to come out to a party and see the president. Why would they go? I says, Ozzy, they used to go on out. And sure enough, it was somewhere at a, at a winter garden or some called and there was a walk in the door and everybody was there. You used to get used to it being cold. In fact, it can be invigorating as well. It's not all negative. You know? It's sunny. My business partner spent seven weeks of rain and gray clouds uh, earlier this year. Yeah. In winter. We yeah. had sun every day but four. Yeah. Four days of clouds. Well, the thing is, we Vancouverites lie a lot. You know, whenever somebody calls me from Toronto, what's it like? And I could be pouring cats and dogs. I say, well, actually, it's sunny like anything. Make them feel jealous. But I mean, what I, what I think is unique with you, you pride yourself to, to find mortgages that are also for investors. But you want your investors to have a plan, something to not just make money, but reduce costs. This is my motto, you know, how to make money, but also not how to lose it, right? And so to in, in maximum maximize investability, that's what you pride yourself with. Yeah, 100%. I find it easier to help investors minimize taxes, fees, costs particularly avoidable ones that can be through planning. So moving your portfolio from personal name to a corporate structure, refinancing properties to access capital, these all incur costs that can be avoided by just thinking ahead. And I think the problem is that you have to have that boring, non-profitable conversation with the client about 
what is the why, the vision, the reasons? And it gets exciting. But at first, a lot of investors are like, but I just want to buy the damn property. Yeah. But, but wait, 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 wait. We got to talk first. I like that because it isn't just the what you buy. It's why you buy it. What's your personal situation? Why do you put yourself? And that's why you need somebody on your side that sort of rattles your cage and says, just a minute, I can find you great deals. And by the way, Eaton has found us some incredible deals that are only available in Edmonton, but we're going to come to that later. But in terms of saving costs, I think the legal situation in Alberta is also very attractive. I mean, no property transfer tax. Who knew? Yeah, no property transfer tax, no PST, no rent controls. Once a year, you can do an increase any amount you want. Uh, you can end tenancy at the end of your term, which unlike BC, you can say, okay, your lease is up. I would like you out. Yeah. There's, I just find it a more favorable market for business. And I think the beauty of it is that we all know that Alberta has its downsides. It is a cyclical market. It's good sometimes, it's bad others. But the cause of that is ultimately a supply and demand-based market. There's no ALR in Alberta. You can turn farmland into real estate. And it allows the market to balance and regulate itself. And the main driver is not unlike Vancouver and Kelowna, which people love to live there. I love Alberta, but it's probably not people's number one choice if they win the lottery. It's the jobs that drive it. It's the affordability. And that's what I like about this market is a lot of people when I decided to move said, Keaton, are you crazy? Like you live in, you know, the lower mainland. But I, I believe in practicing what I preach and moving out here was able to allow me to buy a home, build a foundation. Maybe in 10 years, I will, I'll be in a position to have the luxury to decide if I want to move back to Vancouver. Maybe. But I believe in making harder choices to get ahead and then having opportunity versus hanging on to the desirable choice, falling behind like we're seeing with so many Canadians. Yeah. Because once you fall behind, your options disappear real fast. Yeah, and that, that is, that's words of wisdom, wisdom. And it's also not that Edmonton is a hard place to live. It's a great city with good culture. I mean, everything is wonderful about it. I mean, apart from the fact that you also have a hockey team, which is very important, right? But I mean, I, I drove through the ice district, I guess, with my partner, Ralph. I guess it's now a year and a half ago or something. And the thing was stomped out of the ground. New buildings, new apartments, you know, new sports arenas, new everything. It's billions that have been spent downtown. I don't know the exact number for the ice district, but it is literally billions. And an interesting thing, I learned that um, the the owner of the ice district, I, I heard a rumor through a real estate lawyer that he used option to purchase, to lock up all of the land around what he wanted. And then he acted on them all. So I found it very interesting to see, even at the billion dollar level, the real estate strategies that we talk about being utilized. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and that's, you know, when you take a look at, uh, you know, we, my partners and I, we sold, uh, bought and sold uh, just under 3,000 condos in British Columbia. And uh, for, I would say, 85% of them, we never put any money down. You know, and we managed, of course, we bought together with the money and the money that was investing made most of the profits. But the point was we were able to create literally, you didn't need the money, you needed to have innovative thinking, you had to find a good deal, that was the key, and then, then away you go. But when I look at Edmonton, and you said it's, it's so much better in terms of taxes, I, I saw recently where Edmonton is number one in the lowest taxes in Canada, no doubt about it. And I mean, this chart for Edmonton is this big, and how, how terrible it, oh, it's the other way around, is this big, and then on the bottom, you know, when you look at Ontario or 
all of the other provinces and BC is right on the bottom. It's no question about it. But it's not only that. I keep hearing, and I think you were the one that mentioned it to me the other day, is that when we go to City Hall in Vancouver, it seems like we have enemies there, you know, or Richmond or wherever you want to go. Uh, you know, why Why do you want to build this? You know, and first of all, are you going to put in the sidewalks? And you have to put in a park. You have to, and it takes you four years. How is Edmund towards the construction and development industry? So I only have anecdotal experience on this, but they've been quite friendly. They, they had an initiative for a while that if a lot was 50 feet, you essentially were auto approved to subdivide into two 25 foot lots and build what we call skinny homes. Yeah. And while I can, through personal experience, tell you I failed HVAC inspections over gas meters that were 40 years old. And a city is a city. There's always going to be character and humor. Yeah. But overall, my experience is that they are very growth oriented because let's be honest, Vancouver does not need to fight for its residents. The Alberta yeah. market being cyclical, it is business driven. It is how can we do business? How can we get you out here? And I find that it's very refreshing. They still have their rules, but there's much more common sense and it feels almost like a handshake system where if you're trying to do well and you fit within the guidelines, they're not there to stop you. They're there to help you. Yeah, and that's so interesting. You know, we have all levels of government. And, and you know, I do the radio show with uh, podcast now with Michael Campbell, and we talk about it constantly that, you know, last week we talked about the average house, uh, UDI, the Urban Development Institute, analyzed uh, an 800 plus square foot condo that sold for a million one. And uh, what what were the costs uh, in government? Just under an unbelievable 300,000, 30%. Think about it in taxes and, and fees and, you know, and uh, piled on ad infinitum. And I think that's why people just say, you know what, I'm going to buy some snowshoes. I'm going to get used to it. I mean, Calgary is almost downright hot. Uh, Edmonton, I mean, I look at the prices. Tell me just for kicks, you know, what, what would I have to pay for an average uh, single family home? Now, I mean, just, I'm talking about something uh, normal and not, not way out there, not way, just sort of a normal, I could go into Edmonton now and have a choice of 10 houses to look at that are in what price range. So typically your, your rougher houses are going to be in the low 300s. Those need work, kind of your purchase plus improvement candidates. Excuse me, hold it hold it hold, it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Low 300s. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's for one with a little character. You know, maybe there's a little cat pee on the carpets or it's some yeah. 80s. Yeah. But once you start to get into the high threes, low 400s, you're generally getting fully renovated. Mid fours is brand new oh. and usually sweeted. So as you get oh. into the low fives, you are getting like luxury, borderline luxury at that point. And it is neighborhood specific, but. You mean new 450,000? generally in the low end for new 450 to probably 550. Well, that's amazing. And that's, you know, that's, that's the reason, you know, that's why you have tens of thousands literally moving to Alberta and saying, you know, well, well let, let's take a look at this, Edmund. And they come in the summer. And right now you've had also a reasonably very nice summer, warm and Edmonton can show its best. But I like Edmonton the way it's situated, it's spread out. You have much more space as you demonstrate by being on your farm. The, the, the people, I think, also more hardy. I don't know, you know, they have more of a, I don't, I don't know if that's my perception. In BC, we complain. We're always victims of something. But in Edmonton, says it's more like a can-do. Okay, what, what's the problem? Let's fix it. Is, is that just my perception or is that, in your view, the same? Well, I, I found that anecdotally, most Albertans come from roots of, it, it's, a, it's an establish-yourself province. It's a hard-work province. They've got the oil industry, lots of farming. 
it, it's it's more of that blue collar pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get ahead yeah. and i think that attracts let's be honest who's going to move from vancouver Kelowna, newfoundland to another province across the country it's generally going to be that more motivated group because the non-motivated yeah. folks are likely going to stay in whinge yeah. so i find that you get kind of that how do we fix it culture yeah, well, I, I mean, you just look, the average price in Vancouver right now is 2.2 million. We're talking average. That's any old average. And what people don't realize is when the Vancouver Real Estate Board counts average, they count it from Mission to Lions Bay. So, you know, you, you throw in the West Side and West Van together with Coquitlam. It's really a meaningless number. But that number is an outlandish 2.2 million. And the benchmark price, uh, I usually don't use it, but I think you told me before that the benchmark price is 425 in, in Edmonton for a single family home. This is reality. I mean, four times as much. Are you kidding me? And what am I getting? I put in my newsletter, OzBuzz, um, February, uh, I guess March 2022, that I felt the high was in place. And, and why did I think that? Well, in Surrey, the average single family home price, that's the average house, any old house average was a million nine hundred fifty thousand. It couldn't go any higher, and it didn't. Right? It went, went right back down to a million three by December, and now it's recovered to a million five. But the point is, there always comes a time where people are saying, "Hey, what are my options?" And Alberta has become a real option. No, and I know many Canadians are frustrated about the housing market and rents. I think we can all agree rents are absurd. Prices are silly particularly if we look at our traditional metrics of like the price of an average home to average income. And you look at these different numbers, there's no secret Canadian real estate is expensive. But one of the things that I was chatting with an investor about the other day, they asked me, what do I think the biggest risk to real estate investing is? And they expected me to say interest rates, but I don't think that's the case. While interest rates have a big effect, we've seen that when interest rates plateaued in February, even though rates were exponentially higher than they were before, the market went crazy. I just had a client get an accepted offer in Calgary of all places. Fourth offer, they finally got accepted. They wrote unconditional with seven competing offers. This is Calgary. So I think the biggest risk to the Canadian real estate market is the fact that the supply of housing versus the population, there's a gap. And that gap is shrinking in real time. CMHC in a couple summers ago came up with a study saying that there was going to be 2.8, I'm paraphrasing the numbers, 2.8 million units of housing built from, I believe, some June of 2022 to 2030. That number needed to increase by an additional 3.5 million units yeah. to hit affordable numbers. We see that housing starts are declining right now. CMHC said at the end of their $15 million study, we have no idea how to do this. Drastic change is needed. We're helpless. And we're seeing immigration numbers set records, which is yeah. ultimately, I think, going to lead to the biggest risk for real estate investing, which is it's going to be so lucrative. Rents are going to keep pushing up. Prices will keep pushing up simply because there's desperation that eventually my fear is the government's going to be forced to start breaking eggs to try to fix things. And I don't know your thoughts on it, but I'm scared it's going to be so good it's going to get bad. <laughs> well, um, there's a, there's a lot of truth in it. First of all, interest rates by themselves um, are never the culprit. I mean, I, most of my real estate portfolio when I started out in the 80s was 10%. When I was president of Royal Beach in Toronto, I was on national TV. I said, 11% is a good rate for the family. <laughs> you know, 11%. And today, the guy, young guy says, 
What? I got to pay 2.2% or 2.3? Well, this has been a rude awakening this last year. But even then in my last newsletter, I put 50 years of the average five-year term, 50 years. 45 of those 50 years, it was over 5%. It's only the last five years that it was like from 2016 on that it was that some coming under 5%. So it's quite normal. And everybody is saying, oh, the rates are going to go back down. No, they won't. You know, in fact, I think I've been writing for two years now. I felt that the the government wants to go as far as they can to try and snuff out our desires. And I'm going to come back to that. And then when they get to a level where they feel, you know, it's hurting so much that then they'll they'll stop. But they don't pivot down. And I think most of our millennials today believe that they're going to go back down to 2%. It's not going to happen. So get used to it. So maybe the rate now, five-year term is 6%. That the, the stress test is 8 Now. I wrote in my book uh, in 1998, I wrote a, which I called Forget About Location, Location. The point I made for the average investor location was really not that meaningful. What was meaningful was number one, is there going to be an inflationary environment or not? And if you if you think it's going to be deflation, get into cash and go, go to bed and roll up in a little ball and cry. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen in my view. It's going to be inflation. Inflation is primarily a monetary phenomenon. And I picked that up from Milton Friedman and I quoted it on every show for 25 years. But the point is, the second point is timing. And so I think that right now, I actually believe that we will uh, have a huge influx flux of listings again. So we will we will probably gonna come back to an equilibrium because it's become totally unaffordable. People make decisions to go to Alberta and make decisions we're gonna rent. So, so, but I would agree with you, the government will always be too late to do something that is is crazy. Like in BC, we're contemplating on, you know, tying the rental value to a unit, not to the owner. So that no matter who owns it or whether you sell it or not, the rental value was established at say, $22,000 a month, it can never go higher, right? So the government would force that. That is, you know, an outlandish solution, but that's what they have in Germany and that's what they have in some other parts of the world. Breaking eggs is what you call it. That's what, what is certainly contemplated. The thing is, nobody knows, right? Three levels of government, you have to throw them in a room, give them absolute power and don't let them out until they have a solution or shoot them if they come out and don't, you know, because the federal government says, oh, we want to be affordability. And the province says we need a foreign buyers tax and uh, we need a, a rent control or we need this. And the city says, oh, no, no, you can't have that. Then the province says you can put in six plexes on four plexes. So I, to me, all these solutions, they look good on paper. Let's take the six plex one. City of Vancouver is now voting on any house can go from single family to a six plex. But the costs of that, nobody talks about. First of all, if the guy owns the house already for a few years, he loses the capital free gains, gains tax exemption, right? So maybe he has a million dollar property, he loses that. Then he goes in to build six condos. Now he has, first of all, property transfer tax on his house. Secondly, on the six condos, six property transfer taxes, six, um, six times um, building cost, uh, you know, application fees in excess of 60,000 each. You think that's wrong? The laneway house now is between 60 and 70,000, does to get the permit? You have to have your head examined, uh, you know, then the, he has to arrange parking, which he doesn't have. So funny thing is Victoria actually made it a law in January, on January 1 this year. That's a good almost eight months. 
ask me how many people applied for converting their house. How many have applied? Zero, not one. They look at the cost and saying, are you mad? You see, so somebody has a good idea, let's put it on paper and let's throw it out there. I think you go to Alberta and you actually find a situation that say, okay, the weather is really my only problem. Because I mean, am I really gonna complain about a half a million dollar house? Yeah. You know, when Toronto is two and Vancouver is two, that can't be the problem. And but the thing is, for the investor, what I like you to say, you want it, you want them to create a plan. So, what do you have in mind for somebody? Let's say there's a young couple starting out. What kind of a plan should they have? Well, I think the biggest thing is we have to figure out what they're trying to achieve and why. So we usually try to boil it down. Are kids a consideration? Because if the plan is to, if you're building something to leave it to the next generation, that's a fork in the road that is very different than if you plan on dying with your assets. If you have no kids, no legacy. Then we figure out based on that fork in the road, what do you need? Because personally, I'm a believer that if you need, let's say $400,000 a year of passive income or let's say 10 million in assets, let's shoot for 450 or 500. Let's shoot for 13 million, but we don't need to shoot for 40 million. Because I think we'd probably both agree that generally speaking, the bigger you aim for, the more risks you have to take just through the nature of money and time. So we figure out what do they need conservatively and make sure that they're on track for that. And then we try to just build that backwards. And what a lot of people forget is that if you buy five $500,000 properties over a period of years, let's say they rent for $3,000 in each, roughly speaking in 30 years, that two and a half million dollar portfolio will likely become roughly a $5 million portfolio. That approximate $180,000 of rent per year will likely become about 360,000 and it will be paid off. So even if your operating costs are 50%, you've still got $180,000 a year of free cash flow, five properties. And on the way there, on the way there, after 10 years, you already have some cash flow. And every year that goes on, you don't actually have to wait 25 years for that cash to come. And I think that's that's what I believe also is that inflation is a given. We are now living in the mother of all inflation worldwide. This 300 trillion or so the world owes to each other is never going to be repaid. That debt we cannot repay. The only way we can repay it is by killing our currencies by devaluating our dollars, right? And so yeah, every, every uh, we put on the radio the, the other week, we said, you know, the guy comes home, says, how come we're eating beans? And the wife says, well, you, you're not bringing home enough money. So he goes to his boss, says, I need more money. And the boss says, well, government says inflation is 2.8%. I give you 2.8%. He goes back to his wife. She hits him with a frying pan. Nothing is up 2.8%. My common bear went from 8 to 12, right? That's 50% increase. Have you bought a steak lately? Have you gone out anywhere that you buy stuff that you need just to live? You're not being totally, you know, out, out there. No, no, everything is much more expensive. And so the 2.8% is an outright joke, you know, we're taking everything out of the equation. If you measure ourselves against the shadow stats, everybody can go to shadowstats.com. And look at the Volcker basket of 1980. The Volcker basket was what we used to measure inflation at. And if you use the same things in that basket, like including rents and including house prices and including gasoline, including air and fees and all the things that we've taken out now, we would be running over 12% right now. And that's what you're seeing in the real estate market. Why are we surprised? It isn't just that it went crazy this earlier and, and it's up higher. 
Let's say it's up only 5%. Well, it's, that's 5% higher than last year when it was up 5%. And the year before, so over the last five years, since actually since 2014, we're up 100% in some markets. It's unbelievable. And you're telling me that that is because we are spending too much gas or we're doing all of this. No, it's the printing of money. Google given, that, given some of that back to the population. And that is going to continue. So I think prices are going to be higher. 100% agree with you. The long-term plan, 100%. I just don't know about that second part, the timing aspect. And then the third part, the trend. And the trend to me right now is Alberta. So you're sitting, I think, on the pot of gold. I really do. And you got to get your name out there. And particularly somebody with, with your viewpoint is so important. You're not worried too much about all the terrible things going on here. I am looking at this for my family, for my home. And if I do nothing but pay it off, I'm better off than a tenant. Now, always have been, but particularly in Alberta. So I salute you. It's a crazy world we're living in, but in real estate, you're going to be doing much better than any other investment because of leverage, right? No, so here I'm interviewing you and I'm holding a speech. Holding a speech. No, but I mean, you... When you say about reducing costs, yes, be smart about what you're going to do. Adapt to market changes, which is the point you're trying to make. Absolutely important. And that's why people need somebody on their side that they can trust. So where, how do they find you? The best way to find us is www.kbmortgages.ca. Okay. Or you can just find me on Facebook, Keaton Kirkwood. Okay, so what I'll do is, do you mind uh, if we put your, 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 your mind a phone number? as well that yes. you can put on YouTube. 7, 7, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, Personally, I think that bad news for the Canadian real estate market is good news for the Alberta market, because as our bad news is rising costs, um, pressure on rents, and rising rates. The problem is that as that goes up in very expensive markets, it's pushing people out. People are realizing they cannot afford to hold on and they're leaving, whether they're tenants or owners. They have to go somewhere. And it seems to me the trend is that Alberta is one of the more desirable options that people have. We see some of Ontario go east, but generally speaking, and if you look at the trends, Alberta is where everybody's going. And don't take my word for it. Go post an ad on Kijiji, which is the dominant system for Alberta for rentals. We're seeing 70, 80, 90 applications for townhouse rentals, condo rentals. The demand is already here. And the problem is that the inventory is disappearing very quickly. I'd have to dig it up, but I saw a CMHC study that said they expect vacancy in Alberta to drop to 3 to 4% in the next couple of years. But I think it's already there, at least in desirable housing. Well, that's the thing, you know. And then when you look at the prices, anybody coming from Vancouver, anybody can afford Edmonton. Now, just to, to whet somebody's appetite, you told me uh, just before we went on air, you, you, you said you had a, a price... What is the best price house right now in, in Edmonton? So we found a uh, 1912 house that's relatively renovated. It's $140,000. <laughs> well, you won't even get a front door for that. Not even a front door in Vancouver. What about your best price townhouse? 
best price townhouse we found was $95,000 for a 700 square foot townhouse. And, and then the kicker, the, yeah, the kicker found a $47,000 two bed, two bath condo. Now, granted, the strata is probably not the most desirable, but <laughs> the point is that the prices are low and there's deals to be found. Well, and forget the 47,000. That's the one end of the spectrum. But even if, if you looked and, and paid 150,000 for a condo, the one thing is I paid 170,000 for my one bedroom and I'm getting 1,675 in rent. Now, maybe I could get more, but we don't increase the rent. We're far away. We're, we're a very nice property manager and, and uh, I, leave it, I leave it totally alone. But think about it. 170 gets you 1675. In Vancouver, I would have to pay 800,000 to get maybe 2500 dollars. So there's just no question on who's better off. My two bedroom one, I paid 220,000 for. And we're talking brand new heated floors, you know, park, underground parking. I mean, really great area in Edmonton. And that two bedroom is rented at 1800, right? Again, in Vancouver, that'd be over a million. And I would have a, a, a rental income of maybe 3000. It's just, the numbers just don't make sense. So, my dear listeners, if you want the numbers to make sense in Alberta, you got to call Keaton Kirkwood. Thank you for taking the time and joining me, and uh, have a great week. Always a pleasure, Ozzy.